Would you please uh, take the Word of God and turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts and uh, chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, we're going to uh, begin reading here in just a moment in Acts 20 verse 17 and uh, a little ways down into the chapter. But here, uh, Paul is... um, not returning to Ephesus, he is in Miletus. Now that was a little ways south of Ephesus. And while he is in Miletus on the journey back, he's going to go to Jerusalem. His plan is to go to Jerusalem and then back to Antioch of Assyria. And while he's in Miletus, he senses that this is a last opportunity to speak some words to the elders of the church of Ephesus. And so he is going to send for them, for them to come from Ephesus down to Miletus. And this is a words that uh, Paul is going to give as a, if you were the last words that he's going to give to them. And there are two main aspects of this meeting with the elders in Ephesus that I would like to focus on, and it's going to be over the next uh, few studies probably going into uh, the next year. And we're going to see here that Paul is going to first uh, share some reflections on his ministry in the past in Ephesus. And so in these reflections, he's going to look in the past. And then the second part is that he's going to give the elders a charge. Or he's going to charge them with responsibilities for their ministry in the future. He's going to depart and he says in our text that he's not going to see them again. And so both of those aspects, he reflects on his past ministry and he sets a charge, charges them with the responsibility in their future ministry. And so there are many wonderful things that we can learn here and we'll begin Uh, This morning. So let's stand together in Acts chapter 20. We're going to begin reading in verse 17. Acts 20, verse 17. And the word of God says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you all seasons. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. 
Wherefore I take you to record this day, that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. I want to pause here and I want you to notice here there are two parts. Verse 18, he says, when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know how the first day I came into, into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. And then notice down in verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing, shall grievous wolves. I want to think about those uh, two moments of Paul speaking. He first says, you know how I've been with you. But then he says, there is a shall. And so Paul here reflects on the past but then he sets forth some responsibilities for the future. And so I want to uh, preach on this thought, and we're going to, I'm going to preach, if you would, in the general uh, sense, Paul doing that, looking in the past and looking to the future, and then we're going to spend some time studying particularly what he did, and then looking at the charge that he gives to the elders. But let's pray and ask for to help us uh, this morning. Father, we thank you that we all have uh, been given the opportunity to serve you. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and he said that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, God, you desire to reconcile men back to yourself. And you have given us that ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Help us to be faithful ambassadors. And in doing so, might we learn to reflect on the past and set forth goals for the future that are in accordance to your will. And so we pray for the wisdom and your Holy Spirit's intervention that we might apply the truth that we learned today from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Stephen Terrell was a missionary to Iraq. The Lord began to stir his heart on September 11th, 2001. 
In 2003, he took his uh, first trip to the Middle East, to the country of Jordan. He also helped deliver a radio in 2003 in Baghdad, Iraq. In 2004 through 2007, he continued to serve the Lord, and he did all that he could to learn about the Arabic-speaking people and the Middle East. And in 2008, he took a trip to Turkey and then to northern Iraq. In 2009, when he was back in the U.S., he met a refugee family that was from Baghdad. And God began to stir his heart for the people of Iraq and for the city of Baghdad. In 2010, he uh, led an Arabic man personally to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in 2010, he also began a deputation preparing to raise support to go as a missionary to the Middle East. In 2012, he moved to Jordan in December to learn the um, Arabic language and to learn to interact with the Arabic-speaking people. In 2013, he began uh, to work with a Syrian refugee in northern Jordan. In 2017, um, he went for the first time to Afghanistan to help a fellow laborer. And in 2018, uh, Stephen Terrell with his wife Jocelyn uh, returned to Baghdad. And he had been there, last time he had been there was in 2003. And so in 2018, he returned to Baghdad. In 2019, uh, Stephen Terrell attempted to move to Baghdad with his family. And because of the political unrest, they were not able to settle there in Baghdad. And finally, after a few years, in, 2000, in 2021, last year, Stephen was able to move his family to Baghdad, Iraq, and began his ministry in Baghdad. And November 7th, 2022... As he was serving the Lord in Baghdad, returning home, two cars cornered him and men got out of the car and shot him and he died. After about one year of ministry in Baghdad. And the question is, uh, was that all worth it? He wrote a... Um, series of points and this is the title of what he wrote when I die in the Middle East he seemed to have the expectation that one day he was going to die for the cause of Christ in the Middle East and I'm going to read you his points at the end of the message the Apostle Paul here, as he gathers those believers, those elders, particularly in Ephesus, he, as I mentioned, he uh, shares some reflections on his ministry and, 
In these reflections, he's going to look at the past. And it's interesting when Paul often does that, not just here in Acts 20, but he does that in many of the epistles where he, for example, he writes to the believers at Thessalonica and in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he recounts and he reflects upon his ministry in Thessalonica. As he writes to the church at Corinth, he reflects back on his ministry at Corinth as he um, writes many of those letters and interacts with believers, Paul often reflects back on his ministry and what I appreciate about Paul and about the record that we find about him is that he never looked back and said, look at the buildings that we've built, look at the amount of people that we've reached. He doesn't talk about what he did as much as he talks about how he did it. How he did it. Here in our text, he says in verse 18, he says, Ye know from the first day that I came in an, into Asia, after what manner I have been with you. And so he talks about the manner of his ministry. He mentions in verse 19 that he served the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears, with temptations which befell him with the lying in wait of the Jews. He, he says that he kept back nothing that was profitable unto them, but he, he taught them both in a public way and in a private way. He was faithful according to his word to teach unto them all the counsel of God. And so when Paul reflects back on his ministry, he doesn't look back at this is the number of people that we reached, this is the number of buildings that we built. Uh, there is not an amount of numbers but he does talk about how he served God. How? Not what he did, but how he did it. And so, Paul in verse 18, notice he had proved himself to the believers in Ephesus. He says himself, he says, ye know from the first day. And so, in other words, the believers, these elders in Ephesus, they would have been able to confirm what Paul said about his ministry. When Paul says, you know what manner I've been unto you, you know how I served you, uh, the believers, the elders there, they would have been to say, yes, you're right, that's exactly how you serve God. But then there is a second aspect that Paul does is, he knows that this is his last meeting with them. He mentions this twice in the text that he's not going to see them again. But he puts forth a charge for them and he charges them with responsibility for their ministry and for the future knowing that he will never see them again. And so you find some reflections as he looks in the past but then you find a charge as he looks to the future. And I think what we learn here is that in our lives, we are often looking at the past. And we can, and I believe we should, often reflect on the past. But we should also consider the future. And we can set out some important goals that please the Lord. As we all come to this point in our lives, uh, uh, what would we share... If we could all have an opportunity as Paul to maybe reflect back on our lives and to be able to share publicly about our past service for God. And I'm not interested in 
the things that we did as much as I'm interested as the manner in which we did it. What would we say about our past? And as we come to this point in our lives, what is important to us now? And what do we desire for the future? What would we like to see in our lives, in our service for God in our lives? Now somebody may say at this point, well, Pastor, I'm, uh, my past is not looking too good. And I say to you, uh, forget about it and look to the Lord to set a new course for your future and remember that your future will one day be your past. You see, don't allow life to happen to you. Place your life into the hands of the Almighty. You see, often I believe that we could get to the place where we may look at the past and we may not like the past, but then in the moment when we reflect on the past, we do nothing to change the course of a future. We allow the uh, past and the mistakes that we've done and the failures that we've had to cripple us to say, well, I guess I'll never serve God then. No, Paul in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13, he says this, he said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. As Paul here is reflecting on the past, I want us to be aware here that Paul is not engaging in self-praise or adulation. He is not serving the Lord because he senses that he is worthy to serve God. Uh, we know that he's serving God because of God's grace. That's what Paul says. If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, turn with me to the book of Ephesians in chapter 3. So as he writes a letter to the church at Ephesus, notice what he says, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 7. Ephesians 3, 7, he says this, Wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of, of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power unto me, notice, who am less than the least of all saints. Paul is not engaging in self-praise and adulation. He is not uh, puffing himself up. He knows that he is less than the least of all the saints, but yet he asserts and he affirms, he says, unto me who am less than the least of all the saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so uh, Paul is not engaging in, in self-praise. He knows that he is less than the least of all the saints. If you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we know that in 1 Corinthians 15, we know the Apostle Paul was uh, called the Apostle to the Gentiles. And no doubt there is tremendous responsibility that came with that position. But how did Paul think of his position as 
an apostle. Well, notice with me 1 Corinthians 15. Notice verse 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9. He says, For I am the least of the apostles, then am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Notice, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, was, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, and yet not I, but the grace of God which was uh, with me. And so Paul is not engaging when he reflects back on his past ministry. He is not engaging in self-praise. And I think to a degree we might say, well, Paul is engaging in self-praise if he was talking about the buildings or the amount of people that he reached and if he talked about in terms of numbers, but, but he never does that. He talks about the manner of his ministry that the believers could confirm but yet he knows himself that he is less than the least of all the saints he is not worthy to be called a christian he is la he is the least of the apostles he he is not worthy to to be called an apostle but yet uh, paul asserts uh, with the uh, confidence that god has given him that he is what he is by the grace of god and so this is not self-praise as he reflects back on how, on his ministry and the manner in which he served God. But I want you to notice here what the Apostle Paul also does not do in Acts 20. When he reflects back, there is a point where he carves out his ministry in Ephesus. And here specifically, as he reflects back, he doesn't reflect on his entire ministry. He, he doesn't reflect either on his entire life. And the reason why I say that is because we know who Paul was. You and I, we know the kind of man he was before he became a preacher of the gospel, before he became a Christian, before he became the apostle of the Gentiles. We know what he was like. Uh, you see, uh, what I, I see here is that as Paul is reflecting back, he is not reflecting back and he is not dwelling on his past sins. Uh, he, he is not allowing the great wickedness of his past to cripple his present service for God. Now, you remember uh, Acts 8 verse 3. The Bible says, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Entering in every house and hauling men and women committed them to prison. In Acts chapter 9, before his conversion, the Bible says, Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired him letters of Damascus to the synagogue, that if he found any of that way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. As he re talks about his apostleship, he says, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And so understand here that when Paul looks back on his past and he's reflecting back, he is reflecting specifically on his ministry in Ephesus in that time in Ephesus and the manner in which he served God in Ephesus. He is not looking at the totality of his life and saying, well, look at my sins. No, he is not allowing his past sins and his failures to cripple him from serving God today. We also know something that Paul 
did not depend, nor did he glory in any fleshly accomplishments. If you turn with me to the book of Philippians in chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. As he's writing this time to the church at Philippi, he reflects back and notice as he's talking about the the circumcision, he says in verse 3, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, uh, uh, that he might trust in the flesh, I more. And so Paul says, look, if anybody is going to glory in themselves, is, is going to be engaged in self-praise and self-adulation, then you might think that Paul, out of everybody, he might be able to do that. Why? Because he says, well, here's my record in the flesh. You ready? Verse 5, circumcised the eighth day. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ." And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. If we were to compare ourselves among ourselves, Paul said, if you just want to go strictly by the flesh, then I more, I could glory in myself, I could be involved in self-praise and adulation because of all those specific things that I did. But all those things I found out that they were just loss. I count them but dung. What does that mean? They are worthless and they should be discarded. Okay, let's go back to Acts 20. So Paul, he speaks to the elders in Ephesus in verse 18 and he says... When they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you all season, serving the Lord with all humility of mine, and with many tears and temptation which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ." And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit into Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and affliction abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God." He looks back on the affliction. He says, none of these things move me. But then he looks to the future and he says, I want to finish my course with joy. I look at the past and I say, none of these things move me. But I look at the future. I want to 
finish my course with joy. And I believe here, I want to pause here because we're going to spend some time talking about the manner in which Paul served in Ephesus, but I'm really interested in both of those aspects. The idea that we might reflect on our past and that we might assess ourselves, see where we are with the Lord in our service for God and say, Lord, how am I doing in the past, in my past ministry? And to understand that as we reflect on the past, uh, that the past is not all there is, and that the past is over, and there's nothing that we can do, uh, that we can engage in today that might change anything in the past in our service for God. And so from this moment on, as we reflect back, whatever that looks like. Now for Paul early on, it would have looked at, I have been a persecutor of the church. He looks back in Ephesus. He says, well, I know my ministry and how I served and how I served the Lord. And, and you know how I serve God. And so I reflect upon that. But then we think about now in, the, in this present time as we reflect back, what are, our, what are our intentions for the future? If you think about your past, whether it is commendable or not. What about your future? You see, one of the uh, great things that I've noticed, and this is a general sentiment, I'm not talking about the church, I'm just talking about the world, is there is a sense of apathy in the world. Where the world is just letting life happen. We just go through another day and even if we look back on the past, we might feel some remorse about the past. We might feel that our service for God has been inadequate. We might even be uh, just completely overtaken by some sin or some mistake in the past and we allow that to cripple us and we, we remain there because all that we see is, is the past and we think that because of our past, we are destined to remain that way for the remainder of our lives. And one of the greatest proof that that is not the case is Paul himself. You see, as we look in the past, I, I want to encourage you today, what about in this present moment, as you reflect on your past, but you also look to the future, and you want to charge for the future, are you looking to anything in the future? Do you have any goals, any intention to serve God? Do you want to do anything for God, that when you reach the end of that future, and then when you look on your past? How do you want to think about your past then? You see, instead of us, this is what I want us to do. Instead of us right now looking on our past, I want you to think about what your future looks like because your future will be your past. And how will you reflect then on how you live your life from this day forward? Today. I found the pattern all throughout. I don't have time to go through all. But time and time Paul does that. Over and over and over again. He says here is my reflection. But here let's move forward for God. If you can look back and you can say. Well I'm thankful that I've been able to serve the Lord. And been faithful to the Lord. And you know how you serve the Lord. Could I encourage you? Set your course for the future. Set yourself greater goals. Continue to serve God. Do more for God. Don't stop. 
Don't dwell on the past and say, well, look at what I've done. I'm just going to now rest on my accomplishments of the past. No, no, you can't do that. Paul himself says, for the, in Philipp, to, the, to, to the letter at the, uh, to the Philippians, he says, forgetting those things which are behind, by the way, that's the good and the bad, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I'm not going to dwell on the past, whether it's bad, I'm not going to allow that to cripple me to move forward for God. And I'm not going to allow my good accomplishments for God uh, to, uh, to, as an occasion for me to say, well, I don't need to serve God because I think that I've done enough. Even Paul, at the end of his life, he says, I have not attained, I have not arrived. I, I want to do more for God than I've done in the past. And so what we have to do is we have to set forth a charge for us as we look to the future. Can I ask you this? Have you done that? Have you set forth a course for your future at the direction of God? Or are you just going to allow life to happen to you? You know, that's what the world does. The world is in a rat race. They live their life and that's it. You allow life to happen to you and there's really, you know, you look on the past and say, well, that's the past, who cares? And there's really no direction for the future and they allow life to, to happen to them. And Paul, not so. He says, I, I, I'm going to set you a charge for the future. And so whatever the past looks like, Forget about it and look to the Lord to set a new course for your future and remember that your future will one day be your past. How would you like to look back on your past? Brother Stephen Trail and I knew Brother Trail. I was in Bible college when he was uh, staff at uh, Temple Baptist Church. And when he was in the Middle East, he wrote this. When I die in the Middle East, I will die knowing that this good little Baptist boy deserves the same hell as any violent criminal who commits despicable acts of horror. I will die having experienced the, transfer, that the transformation God's love can make in a life. I will die with the love of God in my heart for the Arabic-speaking people. I will die knowing that I have obediently followed the direction of God for me and my family. I will die seeing that as we have stepped out into the unknown, God has met us and proven Himself to us in many mighty ways. I will die having the time of my life walking alongside my wife and children. I will die living a more fulfilled life than I ever dreamed I could have. I will die desiring that my legacy of faith would not be measured by buildings, but by changed lives, obediently following Jesus. I will die with a vision of the possible. Millions of Arabic-speaking people in the Middle East following Jesus and producing themselves, uh, reproducing themselves in the lives of others. It is possible. I will die with a thousand unfulfilled dreams for reaching the Arabic-speaking world. 
I will die understanding that there is no difference between my heart and the heart of the violent criminal. It was my sin which Jesus Christ bore on the cross. The heart of a criminal who needs to be redeemed from his wickedness is no different than the heart of a little Baptist boy who needed to be redeemed from his so-called goodness. All sheep need a shepherd because without him there is no end to how far we as sheep would wander. I will die believing that no one is beyond the saving reach of a seeking Savior. The blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse a violent criminal in the same way that He has cleansed me. The power of the gospel is well able to change the life of any Arabic-speaking person the way He has changed mine. I will die understanding that religion, any religion without Jesus Christ, can be used as a vehicle for the wicked imagination of an unregenerate heart to be carried out unrestrained. I will die understanding that unto whomsoever much is given, to him shall much be required. I will give an account of the opportunities afforded me by the possession of my blue passport. I will die with a broken heart, both over the lack of compassion of God's people toward Arabic-speaking people, and over the inaction of God's people to obediently advance the gospel in lands under the shadow of the crescent. I will die knowing that so much more could have been done by God's people to reach Arabic-speaking people with the gospel. Great opportunities have been squandered in the name of safety and wisdom. I will die knowing that I could have personally done more to get the gospel to the Arabic-speaking people. I could have done more, given more, risked more. I will die knowing that the battle for the souls of Arabic-speaking people and any lost man will only be won with the blood and testimony of those who fear God rather than men who fear death. I will die knowing that anything good in me is because of my great Savior, my godly parents, and my godly influences. I will die knowing that I have cast my lot in the greatest cause for which one can spend and be spent, making great the name of God among peoples who have yet to hear the gospel, uh, the good news of the gospel. May the Lamb that was slain, receive the reward of his suffering. Here's his family. He leaves a wife and four children behind. Was it worth it? One year in Baghdad. I'm certain that if we could talk to him, he said, no regrets. Now God has maybe not called you or me to go to the Middle East and to go to the Arabic-speaking people. But today, as you reflect on your past, What charge do you set for the future? One day your future will be your past. Whatever it is that God gives you, 
Do you want to be able to say, when I die, I know that I did this. May the Lord help us to take the time to reflect on the past. And whatever that looks like, whether good or bad, not to allow the past <coughs> to keep you from setting the right course for the future. It is incumbent upon all of us. The truth is, and we know we have eternal life, but the truth is we're all going to die one day. And the moment we die and we meet the Lord, what will we say about, God, you know my manner of ministry. God, you know how I served you. What will it be? So may the Lord help us. Let's bow our heads and pray.